1: It is indeed, and hour number two is underway at eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Tuesday, the 30th. And final morning of the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2019. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks again to Sheriff David Clark, who was just terrific. He's again in town at the Crop Bistro uh, this morning for uh, a wonderful event in which he's going to talk about Americanism, inclusion as Americans. Uh, he's also going to be the keynote speaker at the uh, Lincoln Day Dinner in Mahoney County, I am told, as well. So he is uh, working his way through the Buckeye State, trying to advance the cause of conservative. A conservativism, excuse me, and he did a phenomenal job of that here. Joining us now, as I told you, I had two great guests on the air today. The other one, of course, uh, you got quite a fill of on Thursday and Friday, and I'm still waiting for my thank yous. I provided you with four hours of unfiltered now on Thursday and Friday by taking a vacation. I gave you four hours of Pete, and I'll expect thank yous to be rolling in immediately. Peter Kirsten now, uh member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, uh, best-selling author, uh, Cleveland attorney, an adjunct professor, and I don't know, probably a bunch of other titles I can't remember. Uh, guest host of the Bob France Authority. How about that on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Pete, how are you?
2: Bob, doing great. Actually, I'm just uh, perplexed you haven't gotten death threats yet for having me on, but I appreciate (laughs) having the opportunity to fill in for you. Good news, 131 days to the first game of um, the NFL season for the Browns, but 141 days to the home opener on Monday night against the Jets. As you know, we've got four primetime games, not including the two Sunday afternoon games, which are 4 o'clock starts which are generally considered prime time because they're usually national or at least uh, it's an expanded region. So um, that's exciting. That's exciting. And I, you've told me that I'm succeeding Sheriff Clark. That's going to be an impossible role to fill.
1: Yeah, he's, he's terrific. And uh, we just had a great conversation and, uh, about some of the same things that you and I are going to talk about. He apparently is not a big fan of Joe Biden either. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's to say the least. And Pete, before we talk about the, uh, entry of, uh, the former vice president into the cesspool of candidates, uh, on the Democrat side, and I don't know how many that makes now. It's got to be somewhere at least a couple of dozen, got to be around 2024, 20, somewhere like that now. But, um, before we start talking about him, I just thought I would treat you and myself and our listeners to a little bit of a—I uh, don't know—a little highlight reel of Joe Biden's memorable moments. I
3: promise you, the president has a big stick. But the Taoiseach knows a lot about it. His mom uh, lived in uh, in Long Island for ten years or so. Uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's wait, your mom's still your mom's still alive. As your dad passed, God bless her soul. to get this straight the number one job facing the middle class and it happens to be as barack says a three-letter word jobs j-o-b-s Jobs. Uh, uh, chuck graham state senators here chuck stand up chuck let him see you oh god love you what am i talking about i tell you what you're making everybody else stand up though pal thank you very very much <laughs> You i on new good to see you buddy The largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America, Barack Obama.
1: I'm going to have to pause that there because of the... uh... I promise
3: you. The president has a big st-
1: uh I restarted it. I'm going to stop it there. I, I almost forgot the part where he leaned in, uh, the the g- gaff uh, um, Peter Kirsten out <clears throat> that was about to play, was his lean in to the president after Obamacare right. was passed, announcing that this was a big blanking deal. Uh, right. But anyway, he is uh, kind of like AOC, um the gift that never stops giving every time he finds an open microphone he finds a way to shove his foot in his mouth at the same time but he is now the front runner Peter Kersenau. immediately upon entering the race he has a 24 point lead according to the latest polls over Bernie Sanders as uh, the Dem- uh, to become the democratic nominee your thoughts
2: yeah, well, you know, he is kind of like uh, in some ways as uh, clueless as AOC, but he has no excuse because he's been on this earth for 50 years longer. you think that at some point he would have figured it out. Those clips you played do demonstrate how gaff he is, but it can be, if they're shrewd, they can turn it into something that is appealing or endearing to voters. Because there are a lot of voters, they don't happen to exist in, in the Democratic Party in large numbers, but there are a lot of voters who don't like the kind of woke approach, the politically correct approach that so many Democratic candidates take. Having said that, though, uh, Biden is a, a real disaster when it comes to policy. He's a disaster on a whole host of level, levels. As I mentioned on, on your show, I think it was Thursday or Friday. One of the things that really upset me was his opening. As you know, he made a big deal of Charlottesville and completely, not just disingenuously, he was was, uh, uh, just mendacious about how he characterized Trump's reaction to Charlottesville. And it's also emblematic of the challenge that Trump would face if Biden were the nominee. And that's a big if. But the challenge is, not just with Biden, but every Democratic candidate is that the media will carry their water for them like they've done for no one, including Obama which, I mean, that, that was simply hagiography hey, on steroids. They didn't cover the news there. They simply painted this flattering portrait of him every time he fell down on his face. They'll do the same with any Democratic challenger to Biden to uh, Trump, but they will do so for Biden. They're going to cover for his gaps. They'll try to make them appear endearing as if this is just a really nice guy, but he's not that nice of a guy. He's a nasty piece of work, and as I told your audience last week, I've had the misfortune of appearing before him several occasions, and Hugh calls him slow Joe Biden, and I think that's probably understating it. For someone who has been in politics, has oh, look, this guy has been a senator since the 1970s. For four decades, this guy has had the ability to craft public policy, and can anyone point to any Biden achievement, any policy achievement, and they, they can say, that was or Biden was the driving force behind that. You really can't. And when I've appeared before, before the Senate Judiciary Committee, I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to Biden. And there were, you know, several other senators on the dais who were asking me questions. But uh, I had said this from the very beginning, that what struck me, and it's really... <laughs> striking, anyone who would appear will say the same thing, was how clueless he was. I'm not trying to be pejorative toward Joe Biden simply because he's entered into the race. This is something that many of us have been saying for a long time. He is completely clueless. It'll be entertaining to see whether or not uh, he can hold his own against Trump. I don't think anybody really can among the challengers. But if anyone can't, Biden ranks very high up there, in addition to which if you you take a look at um biden's ver- various uh, comments with respect to his you know when he was appearing before these union members and trying to say to them that somehow the economy has left them behind joe needs to spend more time in america looking at what's going on you know it, it, mr union uh senator who has no idea that apparently has no idea that for 8 years he was part of an administration that presided over the worst recovery in history economic stagnation double digit unemployment for the first time in history bob middle class he calls himself middle class joe well when he was in the administration and presumably could render some kind of advice to the administration median household income dropped for middle class voters or middle-class people, period, during the Obama administration, whereas under Trump, for the first time in 10 years, middle-class income is going up, and going up at a pace that we haven't seen in nearly 50 years. So let's just see how this all works out. I'm not convinced that he's going to be the front-runner, merely because he has a substantial, without question, lead over Uh, Bernie Sanders right now doesn't mean he's going to be the nominee for a host of reasons, one of which is just look at history. It is generally the case, as I think most of your listeners know, that once somebody announces, that's generally the high watermark for that particular candidate, and it goes down from there. There may be fluctuations, but that is the high watermark. And I mentioned to your audience, I believe, I know I mentioned to somebody at some point in the last couple of days, that remember when you think of this lead he's got, right now there was a, a drudge poll last week that showed, Biden had an eight-point lead over Trump, and it was immediately after his video announcement. And everyone was concerned about that. You know, Republicans were worrying, and you had the pundits on all these cable news shows saying, well, you know, boy, Biden is formidable, and right now it looks like he would beat Trump. We're a long way from the election, but I would remind everybody to go back to 1984, when Walter Mondale first announced he had a six-point lead over Reagan and everybody was salivating that Mondale is going to be able to beat Reagan, and then especially after the first debate, many of you don't remember that, but that first debate, Reagan was kind of out to lunch, let's face it, toward the end of the debate, he kind of lost his way. Everyone was writing his obituary, but despite that six-point lead that Mondale had, comparable to the eight-point lead that Biden has over Trump right now, you may recall in 1984, Reagan crushed Mondale in an incredible landslide, winning every state except Mondale's home state, had 525 electoral votes. And the only reason, the legend is, and I tend to believe this is true, that Reagan probably didn't take Mondale's home state was just before the election. His handlers said to Reagan, let's go to Minnesota because we are within striking distance. All we need if based on our polling all we need is an appearance or two in minnesota and we can sweep minnesota too and reagan said no we're not going to do that we're not going to humiliate this guy on his home turf so that's what i have to say with respect to biden's prospects against trump it's a long way off a lot of things can happen there could be some foreign policy incident there could be some glitch in the economy which has been running strong for such a long time now but on a one-on-one basis i don't think biden has a chance, a snowball's chance in Hades of beating Trump.
1: Peter Kirsten now is our guest as always on a Tuesday morning. Pete, I'm going to take a quick time out here and follow up on that statement you just made that Joe Biden wouldn't have a snowball's chance of beating Trump and ask you which of the Democratic cesspool do you think would at this particular point in time? Uh, Peter Kirsten now back with us after this on AM 1420 The Answer. (laughs) 10.25 10.25 now as we continue the Bob France Authority on AM 1420 the answer with Peter Kersenow Peter by the way uh, do you have one or two segments left in you my friend
2: uh, this is going to have to be our last one for today Bob
1: Okay, and uh, well, you know, you only did four hours on Thursday and Friday, so what more can I ask of you, right? All right, now, Pete, um, you, you said that Joe, who is kind of perceived, Joe Biden, is more of the moderate uh candidate. I think everybody would agree with that. He's not racing to the far left the way every other candidate in the cesspool is, whether it be Beto or Warren or Booker or Mayor Peter. They're all racing to the left to see who can out-liberal the other ones. Um If you don't think that a moderate like Biden would stand a snowball's chance in Hades against Trump, as you said, which of these far lefties would?
2: I don't think any of them would. And I think there's a problem with them. I mean, first of all, I do think uh while Biden won't be Trump, I think he's got a very good shot at being the ultimate nominee and the reason for that is because the far left position has been atomized by the other as you put it you know two dozen or so far left candidates who represent the majority of the clown car that were, that is the uh democratic presidential nominees um so I think he can get through the primaries. His chief challenger probably is going to be Bernie Sanders. The problem for Biden is that getting through that primary system, uh, system he is at least going to have to make a bow to some of the crazier and crazier, I, you know, you put it on a spectrum, they're all far crazy. <laughs> some of the crazier propositions, Green New Deal operations, post-birth abortion, open borders, Medicare for all, I mean, you go down the laundry list and he's going to have to at least given not to some of that in hope of at least shoring up some credentials with that portion of the Democratic electorate. And that's going to hurt him if he does emerge as the Democratic standard bearer against Trump in the general election. But to answer your question, I've always thought, and it shifts, you know, we're way Far from the eventual nominee, that I mean, we'll probably find out in about a a year from now. But I always thought that because of the way the Democratic Party is situated right now, that Kamala Harris has a very good shot at being the nominee because she checks many of the boxes that the woke left uh, has. And um, uh, I don't, and, and, and there are a lot of folks who are vying for that. But she checks a lot of boxes. Now she could end up being a VP. to one of the eventual, to the eventual nominee, whoever that may be. so I think she's going to be Pete, on: the What ticket. about I, Pete?
1: If, if I may, real quick. Uh, because our mutual friend Hugh Hewitt seems to think that Mayor Pete is a riser, a, a, like a, I think he called yeah. him a rocket ship, rising in this, in this pool that he could be the guy.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm not going to discount that, but my own view for the moment is that he is the flavor of the month. He also checks a lot of boxes for the Democrats. He's a very, you know, smart guy. He seems to present well, and um, I wouldn't want to discount him, but I'm not sure he is going to make it to the finish line. There are a lot of people vying for, you know, the kind of demographics that he appeals to. And, you know, people are saying that he's the smarter brother of Beto O'Rourke. I think that's a pretty good description, frankly. Um, I don't think he wears well. I think the Bernie Sanders cohort is extremely loyal to him. So he's got to fashion a particular avenue to get to the nomination. I think it's going to be difficult given the crowded field. And I also think he's going to be burdened by the very stark fact that he has not just a, a no record, to the extent he has a record it's a sparse one, but it's also not a very good record as mayor of South Bend. No one has addressed that, and yes, the media is going to give him cover, but at some point, the challengers, the other Democrats, are going to point out that South Bend has uh, gone downhill under his leadership in a very short period of time. He's not addressing anything at South Bend. Things are getting worse, and he can't even run a small city, and he wants to run the entire country. Um, Yeah, he's articulate. He's going to be able to sway some people, but you've got to look at what his track record has been. Uh, Trump didn't have a political track record, but he did have a business track record, and Trump is sui generis. Trump is unique. We're not going to see his like we haven't before, and I doubt we're going to see it again. Uh, so I do think in a, in a debate, uh, Mayor Pete would be formidable. But again, he's got to defend his own record.
1: Peter Kirsten now laying it all, off, all, laying it all out for us on this Tuesday morning, as he always does. Pete, I want to say thank you not only for this appearance, but again for sitting in on Thursday and Friday. I know the audience had a great time listening to you. I really appreciate your willingness to do that. Keep up the outstanding work, and we'll talk to you again next week.
2: Thanks very much, Bob. It was an honor and privilege, and as I told your audience, you know it was an honor and privilege to sit in for the best radio talk show host in America, with the possible exception of Rush, but only because he's been doing it for about 30 years longer.
1: Thank you very much, my friend. 10.30 now. Let's get to the news on AM 1420. The 10.34 now. The Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420. The answer. Peter Kersenow and uh, David Clark. Not a bad hour, huh? Last hour <laughs> filled with... Uh, uh, Sheriff Clark, who's in town today at the Crop Bistro, <clears throat> excuse me, holding a meet and greet and a uh, conversation about inclusiveness in America—not inclusiveness in the way that it is normally discussed, but inclusiveness as Americans, <clears throat> the one thing that binds us all together. Excuse me. And then, of course, Peter Kirsten, now with his thoughts on the presidential race. Now that Joe Biden is a part of it. Now he mentioned Peter—that is. Uh, mentioned Joe Biden jumping right in uh, on board with the rest of the cesspool in trying to mischaracterize remarks made by the president of the United States, essentially lying about him. And that is exactly what he did. Um, and what he did, what he lied about, <clears throat> excuse me again, what he lied about was what the president said. Sooner or later, I will get past this. I apologize. <clears throat> Suffering from something. I just don't know what in my throat. Um that the President of the United States, in response to the terrible uh, riot-slash-brawl-slash-fight that led to uh, the fatal, uh, horrific action of a, a far-right, uh, and I don't want to call them a far-right because they don't represent the far-right, but a white supremacist, neo-Nazi uh, uh, idiot in Charlottesville a couple of years ago driving his car into a crowd of Antifa protesters uh, in Charlottesville. And killing a 34 year old woman named Heather Hyder. In response to that horrific, tragic situation, the President described the situation as uh, being a battle between two equally culpable sides. that there was a protest march that had been uh, that had sought and received a permit to march in defense of the Robert E. Lee statue in Charlottesville that was threatened with being taken down as a part of this new Let's Erase American History uh, movement advanced by those on the far left. While this far-right group calling themselves Unite the Right, which is bad because it's wrong, it's inaccurate, they're not right in terms of conservatism at all because conservatives are not neo-Nazis and white supremacists. But they called themselves the Unite the Right uh, organization or held a Unite the Right rally. And they came there to uh, express their disapproval with the idea of taking down these statues and renaming parks and so on and so forth, so forth in Virginia. They were met there by an organization that did not have a permit to protest or to counter protest or whatever. An organization that didn't come to protest anyway, they came to fight because they were clad in masks helmets, they carried bats and other weapons to attack the quote-unquote unite-the-right folks, the neo-Nazi idiots. They came to brawl, and brawl they did, both sides, in terrible, terrible fashion. Now, the aftermath of that, of course, like I said, especially with the death of the young woman, the aftermath was that President Trump had to uh, find a way to denounce the Violence denounce the white supremacists, which is easy enough just because they're white supremacists and they're racists and neo-Nazis. He had to do this uh, in a way that also paid respect to the truth, that not everyone who was there defending American history in the form of these statues was a member of Unite the Right. Not everybody there was a member of a neo-Nazi hate group. And for the last two and a half years, The left has continued to spin the lie that the president declared that some of the neo-Nazis were very fine people. That's what Peter Kirsten I was talking about. Joe Biden came into this race and once again referenced President Trump saying kind things about neo-Nazis. It's not true. They're all doing it. Beto O'Rourke, remember this? Beto O'Rourke. One of the other cesspool of candidates on the Democrat side uh, tried to spin this lie as well. The
2: rhetoric that the president has employed to rhetoric that you might have heard during the Third Reich. Uh, Calling human beings an infestation is something that we might have expected to hear in Nazi Germany. Uh, Describing immigrants who have um, a track record of committing violent crimes at a lower rate than native-born Americans as rapists and criminals. Seeking to ban all Muslims, all people of one religion. What other country on the face of the planet does that? I just
1: can't. I, you know, it's so hard to listen to these people um without stopping their the audio because you have to address each lie or else they all just kind of meld into one. The president did not ban anybody of a certain religion. The president issued a travel restriction for 90 days to people from seven terror-sponsoring countries. That's it. 90% of the world's Muslims live in other places than those countries. So if it's a Muslim ban, um, again, you know, we, we repeat ourselves in these things, and I apologize for that, but they have to be, have to be brought out. Uh, but with respect to the rapists and so on and so forth, he is also using false data to talk about the amount of violent crimes that the gang members, drug runners, and so on and so forth who do cross the border, um, uh, you know, that they bring. He continues to advocate for open borders, does Beta O'Rourke, saying that people on the other side are actually less violent than people on this side of the border and so on. But anyway, let's get to the punchline.
2: Or in our human history, or in the history of the Western world, um, because they are somehow deficient or violent or a threat to us, um, putting kids in cages, uh, saying that...
1: Again, another lie, which is exactly what Barack Obama started. ...Nazis and Klansmen. And white supremacists are very fine people.
2: Uh, You draw your own conclusions.
1: Yeah, we draw our conclusions that you and the rest of your Democrat, and I mean rat, ilk, are a bunch of filthy, disgusting, repugnant liars. The president never said anything of the sort. If you're looking for evidence upon that or to uh, support that conclusion, I've shared this with you before as well. Um, Politico. Far from being a right leaning publication online, but Politico uh, ran a story about a month ago telling everybody, you know, that whole spin that the left is, is continuing to, uh, uh, to make, claiming that Trump claimed that or said, stated that um, uh, neo Nazis and white supremacists and so on and so forth are very fine people. Yet yeah, it's, um, it's not true. Uh, as a matter of fact, they wrote it and said, here's proof. And they quoted by way of a transcript of exactly what the president said from Trump Tower on that day. And I thought it would be worth our time not just to read the transcript again, but to listen to the president's words directly. Now, you listen to the president. Here are his comments in full after Charlottesville and the terrible death of the 34-year-old counter-protester Heather Heyer. Hyder, excuse me well now i'm now I'm mistaken I don't know if it's higher higher or higher, but uh, my apologies, but uh, the terrible tragic death of that young woman. this is what the President had to say at a full on press conference where he was being bombarded with questions about the responsibility for all of this and his his remarks on all of this. I think it's worth our time to listen because you're going to you're going to continue to hear that Beto O'Rourke's the Mayor Pete's, the Elizabeth Warren's, the Kamala Harris's, the Cory Booker's, the Joe Biden's, the Bernie Sanders, you're going to continue to hear this lie repeated again and again and again. Trump said neo-Nazis are very fine people. And what I want you to do, my friends, is I want you to have the ammunition to fight back whenever you hear this nonsense from your liberal friends. When you, whenever you hear, how can you support this racist? What do you mean? What has he said that's racist? He said neo-Nazis and white supremacists are very fine people. That's what the left is doing. They do it online every day. They probably do it in private conversations with their conservative friends every day. And what do we have to say? If you don't know the truth, you might just say, well, that was taken out of context." You don't just, don't just argue back with generalities. Argue back with specifics. And the President of the United States, first of all, look at Politico so you can get the actual transcript. But second of all, tell them this. Tell them you listened to the entire statements of the President in that press conference, in which he makes very clear that the very fine people he is speaking of are not the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it, and you don't have any doubt
4: about it either.
1: And only Nazis.
4: And if you reported it accurately, you would say. But name,
1: the manager killed the They started this. They started Trump.
4: Charlottesville. They started, they started, they started Excuse in me. To protest. Excuse me. They didn't put themselves down as the And you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now, are we are going to take down his statue? So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them Absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers, and you see them come with the, with the black outfits, and with the helmets, and with the baseball bats. You got a, you had a lot of bad, you had a lot of bad people in the other group, well,
2: too. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly? No, I just didn't understand what you were saying. No.
4: There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, they were Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones the following day it looked like they had some rough bad people neo-nazis uh, white nationalists whatever you want to call them but you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because you know I don't know if you know they had a permit the other group didn't have a permit so I only tell you this there are two sides to a story I thought what took place was a horrible moment for our country.
1: A horrible moment. There you have it. Um, I cannot overstate the importance of all of us having that knowledge um, at at the ready to combat the allegations that the man that we support as president and for president for the next term is a racist who declared that white nationalists, white supremacists, neo-Nazis are very fine people. We need to be able to respond to them with facts. Now, like I said, Politico of all, not Politico, I think I said Politico a few times now, and that's my mistake. It's not Politico, it's real clear politics, by the by. I'll tweet this again to remind everyone. Real Clear Politics did the story headlined Trump did not call neo nazis fine people here's proof and it was written by Steve Cortez at Real Clear Politics and he um uh, put the transcript of what you and I just heard on paper or technically digitally on on the website <clears throat> and I want you to be able to have that for anybody who says that Trump is racist and here's evidence how many different ways did he say there were very fine people that were there innocently to express their First Amendment rights in opposition to the removal of a statue. They didn't belong to Unite the Right. They didn't belong to <clears throat> Excuse me. They didn't belong to uh uh neo Nazi groups or, or any other kind of hate groups. They were just citizens there who said, you know, the history of this state and the history of this country are important. These statues are parts of our history. Uh they should remain. They weren't there to fight. They weren't there to attack. They weren't there to be a part of a hate group. They were just there to support the the statues remaining where they were. And the president made it very clear. Those people are very fine people who are there to peacefully express their First Amendment rights with, by the way, permits to be there. <clears throat> now, in that group, of people who were innocent, who were just there to protest the statue, here comes the neo-Nazis and the white uh, nationalists or white supremacists, whatever you want to call them, as the president said. They should be condemned totally. Those are bad people. How many times did he say it in that audio clip you just heard? Now, on the other side, he said, there were also some very good people who were just there to say, we think the statue should come down. We think that it represents a part of America's racist history and the Confederacy that we, fortunately, the Union defeated in order to make sure we were a free nation for everybody, et cetera, et cetera. We just support the taking down of these states. They weren't there to fight either, but they were on the side of Antifa, which was there to fight as the president noted, clad in black uh, outfits with face masks and helmets and bats and bottles and rocks and all kinds of other things to attack the neo-Nazis. They didn't have a permit to be there. They came there to fight. So the president says correctly, there were some bad people on both sides of that terrible fight, brawl, riot, whatever you want to call it in Charlottesville. There were some really, really terrible people. But there were some very fine people on both sides as well. He was as clear as clear can be in condemning neo-Nazis and Antifa, the two violent parts of both sides. And he was as clear as clear can be in pointing out there were some people on the side of the statues that had nothing to do with hate groups. They were just innocent Americans expressing their First Amendment rights uh, and, and uh, you know, free speech to be able to say we don't think the statue should come down. They had nothing to do with neo-Nazis, nothing to do with white supremacy. And there were innocent good people on the side of the Antifa brawlers that were also there not to brawl but to express their First Amendment rights and to be able to say we think the statue should come down. So any time and every time you hear the left try to play this ridiculous game, Trump said this about neo-Nazis and white nationalists and so on and so forth. Call them out. Point out what liars they are. Point out exactly what he said. I'm going to go take a break right now, our, uh, our last break of the morning, before we turn it over to Mike Gallagher at the top of the hour. And while I'm taking this break, I'm going to retweet for you the Real Clear Politics article that has the transcript of the, of the uh, audio that I just played for you. So that you go into these discussions and these debates and these attacks armed with facts, armed with the truth. The President of the United States said no such things. Joe Biden's a liar. Beto O'Rourke is a liar. Every Democrat in America that says this is a liar. Back after this on AM
3: 1420, the answer.
1: Before. All right, so if you follow me on Twitter at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, you can find the Real Clear Politics story uh, link there. I just sent it out again, just so you have the transcript, and again, the audio that you want to share with other people if you can. We're going
4: to take down his statue. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history, you're changing culture, and you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers. And you see them come with the the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball
1: bats. You 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 had a lot of bad people in the other group, too. I mean, I don't know how it could be possible to misinterpret it. He's so He was so crystal clear, not talking about the neo Nazis and the white nationalists or white supremacists, talking about the other people that were there just innocently to express their opinion about the statues. And there were very funny people on the other side, too, who were not part of Antifa and the black clad out, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, warrior outfits that they brought uh, with them, their helmets and clubs and so on and so forth. There were good people on both sides. There were also some really, really bad people on both sides. He could not have been more clear in what they tried to do to mischaracterize it, even the follow-up question from that reporter that you're about to hear right now. Unfairly,
2: sir, I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly? No,
1: are, you, are you? I don't know who that woman is, but she should never, ever, ever be allowed to call herself a reporter again. Seriously. How, her takeaway from what he just said was, wait, you're saying that we have treated, the press has treated white nationalists unfairly? How could you take that from that when he just said, not talking about the white nationalists, but some other innocent people have been treated very unfairly? And this is what they do. They just lie to, to be in order to support and buttress other lives. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If
4: you look, there were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones. The following day it looked like they had some rough, bad people. Neo-Nazis, uh, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because, you know, I don't know if you know, they had a permit. The other group didn't have a permit. So I only tell you this. There are
1: two sides to a story. And the left wants to take that as... Trump praised neo-Nazis as very fine people. They're just liars. They're just bad people. Liberal Democrats in this country who are trying to destroy this country by destroying this president, they're just bad people. And they don't care who they hurt with their lies. TJ in Cleveland, I'll let you wrap it up for us. TJ, go ahead. TJ, are you there? TJ, can you hear me? Hello, Bob? Yep, yep, go ahead. Gotcha. I don't okay. think we have the pot up. Yeah, go ahead. yeah real real quick. Uh, you know, everybody has a theory on elections. Here's mine with Biden. I don't think he's going to go far because I don't think Barack Obama wants him in there. You know, there's a lot of stuff going to be coming up on the Obama administration with Uranium One, Spygate, and the last thing Obama wants is somebody out there putting even more of a microscope on his administration. I think it's going to be Bernie Sanders only because he's got the money. He's got the energized base, and he already has a national ground game you know, in place from uh, the last election. So that's just kind of my opinion. I think it'll be Sanders. Well, um, I've I got to tell you, uh, TJ, I mean, you make a good point, by the way, about Obama not supporting Biden for that reason. Because if he becomes a nominee and it's a full-on, let's uh, investigate the other side, uh, a type of an election, then yes, a lot more scrutiny is going to be put on the Obama administration that Biden was a big part of. And so you're right about that. However, I just don't think the left is dumb enough. They may be evil, but I don't think they're stupid. And I don't think they're stupid enough to nominate a guy who literally is running on a campaign of socialism. He is literally running for socialist ideals and says so out loud because that is never going to fly. In flyover America. It might fly on the coasts. It'll never fly in the heartland where they have to win. And that's the, the reason I don't think it'll be Bernie either. Thanks so much for the call. Thanks to everybody for a great time today. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Bob France Authority.